So we are in part three of this series that we're doing on the life of Joseph, and we've called it Dream On, because Joseph's life is full of dreams. And there are a lot of principles that we can learn from the life of Joseph. And uh, a lot of us, we just want our life to be a constant incline. Joseph's life was anything but that. His life was like a roller coaster, like many of our lives. It was up and down and up and down. But more than anything, he was known as this dreamer. And listen, we all have dreams. We have dreams for our marriages, our finances, our ministry, you know, and we know that God can see the end from the beginning. But what we discovered is that we have to live in the middle between our dream of what we, what we want life to be and what God wants life to be and the destiny of what life is and will be when we fulfill our destiny. And so we have to learn to negotiate this space between our dream and our destiny well. So this is the question that we ask in this in this series. How do we move from the dream to the destiny and how do we arrive well? So Joseph was born into an incredibly dysfunctional family. I can't, I can't tell you. His family would have fit very nicely on a Jerry Springer show. He was the 11th son of 12 sons. He was and uh, his father loved him most. He showered him with all kinds of gifts and privileges. And so he was raised to actually be spoiled. And he, in the beginning, felt superior to his brothers. And so God gives him a dream that he's going to actually rule his family. And unfortunately, just because God gives you a dream doesn't mean that you're actually ready for that dream. And so Joseph had a problem in the beginning, and that was pride. So much that his brothers planned to kill him. That's a lot of pride. And so um, they ended up selling him to slaves. And so the, what Joseph learned in the beginning was that how we travel from our dream, or I'm sorry, that was the question. The way that you hold the dreams God gives you determines if and when you'll come to pass. So he overcomes that pride, and it propels him to his destiny. So you might think that because he learned that lesson, everything was smooth from there on. No, actually, everything gets worse before it gets better for Joseph. And so we learned that you can't preconceive what your journey is going to look like. But we do know that God is faithful to his promised outcomes. However, that doesn't mean that the journey is going to be easy, though. So this is where we pick up Joseph's story today. So Joseph has been sold into slavery. He ends up as a servant in Potiphar's house. Potiphar is the captain of the guard who was one of the highest ranking officials in the most powerful country in, in the world at the time. And what he sees is that when God is with Joseph, that God gives him success, even though he's in this horrible predicament, he promotes him to his attendant. And don't let that word attendant throw you off, okay? Because an attendant, this word attendant would have been the same word to describe Joshua's role with Moses, all right? So Joseph ended up being the number two man in one of the most powerful enterprises of all of Egypt, the most powerful country in the world. So in Genesis 39 and verse 6, he says, This guy Potiphar left Joseph in care of everything he had. Now, we don't know how long Joseph had been in Egypt at this time, but here's what we do know. That he, Joseph was a massive success. He is basically the COO of this massive enterprise in the most powerful nation of the world. 
And Joseph had rose to this incredibly powerful position because he continued to be aware that God's presence was with him, and then he acted like it. So Potiphar could see it on his life. But, and it says not only did he put Joseph in care of everything he had, but with Joseph in charge, this guy didn't concern himself with anything except for what he ate. That's the life, right? So in this context, from Joseph going from a common slave to the COO of this powerful enterprise, it's in this context that we see Joseph encounter one of his biggest uh, challenges. And so Joseph experiences an incredible temptation right here. You see, all of us have different temptations. Some of us have the same temptations, but some of us have very different temptations. But the problem with temptation is this, that temptation is almost always strategically timed, specifically for you. Did you know that? Temptation always seems to know the exact right time to come for you. You see, Satan is smart. He knows that the most strategic time to tempt you, he knows when that is. 1 Peter 5, in the message paraphrase, Peter says, keep a cool head, stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce. And he would like nothing better than to catch you napping. So keep your guard up. See, he knows when we might have our guard down. Now, there are a lot of reasons and a lot of times that we are tempted. You know, there's the people that you hang out with. There's just pure fatigue. You've been worn down. There's the need to escape. Or even there is the neglect of somebody who you feel like should love you. Or maybe you've reached success and your challenge morally or your challenge is what do you have to do to keep that success? That's your temptation. And we can boil all that down to two main times when Satan sees opportunities, okay? And this is important. These are those two. One, after a loss or pain, there's pain in our life, somebody hurts us. Or right after a big win, Now, Satan will use both of these, okay? But there's one of these that is actually more sneaky than the other one. Because after a big win, temptation can actually catch you off guard. You see, after a success, it's it's very easy for pride or even entitlement to really set in at that moment. And I would like to challenge all of us, look back across your life and ask yourself, when when were your biggest temptations? When did they come? Were they in the middle of loss or pain? Or were they right after, when you were, right after a big win? You were at your highest point. You were, had a big win. You had a success. It's important that you know that because that's when probably Satan comes after you. For me, it's usually after a big win. Because look, when you feel like you're a big deal, that's when the temptation has the most power over you. It'll actually play on our ego. And this is what actually happened with Joseph. So after he had risen as high as he could go in Potiphar's house, temptation comes knocking for him. Listen to what happens. So Joseph was well-built and handsome. Now this phrase is almost never used in the Bible. So Joseph must have been like incredibly well-built, incredibly handsome. And this is in the story is this is when the movie soundtrack changes just a little bit because it says, and after a while, his master's wife, Potiphar's wife, took notice of Joseph. 
dong, dong, dong. And she says, come to bed with me. She's not subtle. She's not asking. This is not a request. She is actually commanding him. In fact, this was originally written in Hebrew. And in Hebrew, this phrase, come to bed with me, it can be translated like this. Down sex now. She, she was direct. She was commanding him, right? So why do you think sex was the, was the temptation that was used to bring Joseph down at this point? I mean, he's incredibly powerful, right? Why not more power? Even though he's incredibly powerful, he, he's still technically a slave, right? So why not freedom? I'm, so, I'm sure he missed his parents. I, I'm not sure that he missed his brothers, but I'm sure he missed his, his parents, maybe his little brother, Benjamin. But, but, so why not freedom? Or why not money? Why sex? Out of all the bad decisions and all the mistakes that we could make, sexual sin has some of the most devastating consequences to destinies. And so Joseph... As a young man, a man in his sexual prime, well-built and handsome, with no hopes of being married anytime soon, probably a virgin, he was tempted. And he, but here's the thing. You need to understand this. Temptation is not sin. Okay? Now, you need to learn to deal with that temptation, but your temptation is not sin. So it's not the fact that, oh, no, I had that thought. No, I've, I, now I've sinned. No. See, temptation itself is not a sin, okay? Now, you could let that settle in, and it could become a sin. In fact, Martin Luther said it this way, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. So just because you're tempted with sin, it doesn't mean that you actually have sinned, okay? Even Jesus was tempted, right? So temptation is not a sin. But see, some people are out of bounds. You could be attracted to somebody who's out of bounds that you're not married to. They are out of bounds based upon Scripture. However, your attraction to them, your temptation is not a sin. Now, you can lust about them, and that becomes a sin. Or you can act upon that attraction, and that becomes a sin. But the fact that you are attracted to somebody who is out of bounds from Scripture, somebody who's married, somebody who's of the same sex, that is not a sin. It's the act that is a sin, okay? So don't think that your temptations are sin. You're going to have temptations. That's a reality. All right? It's not an if I'm tempted, but it's when I'm tempted. The strongest man, Samson, tempted. The wisest man, Solomon, tempted. The man after God's own heart, David, tempted. Jesus himself, tempted. And yes, Joseph was tempted. So, the question becomes, if we don't want to sabotage our destiny on the way to our dreams, to fulfill our destiny and our dreams, if you want to fulfill the destiny of your dreams, here's the question, how do we overcome temptation? Because it's a destiny killer. Spoiler alert, Joseph did overcome it. But there, and so there are some things in this account of Joseph's life that are actually very practical and very helpful for us who deal with temptation all the time to be able to overcome it, and especially sexual temptation. Because what Joseph does next is so simple, it's so revolutionary, that if we could just get this into our lives, it would actually allow us to overcome temptation after temptation. So I want to show you in two simple words, 
what Joseph did. And then we want, we're just going to unpack it so that you can unpack it. Here's what he did to overcome temptation was this. Mm. All right, so messed up my notes. It's this, remember, realize and run. All right, here's how Joseph does this, okay? In verse 8, it says, when he refused. When he got propositioned, he refused, all right? And then listen to the dialogue. He says, with me in charge, he says, my, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he entrusted to me. And then he says, look, nobody's greater in his house than I am. I rule the whole thing. My master has withheld nothing from me except for you because you are his wife. So he stops and he realizes, look at everything that I've been given. Look at everything that is at stake that I would lose for, with just a momentary pleasure with you. And look, the next verse is important too. A lot of times we just kind of skim packs this next verse because he says, so how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Not Potiphar, against God. See, he knew who he would sin against if he gave in. The very first thing that Joseph does is the very first thing that we've got to do when temptation comes our way. And this is what he does is that he realized what he could lose. You see, we've got to realize what's at stake when temptation comes. So the very first thing he does is he remembers. I want to ask, have you ever stopped and actually contemplated what you could lose in your life if you fell to temptation? Here's what I could lose in my life if I failed to sexual temptation. Number one is I could lose my best friend and my, the most important person in my life, my wife. Because I made a covenant to be faithful to her spirit, soul, and body. Also, I could lose the trust and the respect of my son who looks up to me. Although he looks down at me physically, <laughs> he looks up to me as his father and his mentor. I could lose his trust and his respect just like that. It could happen so quickly. Number three is that I could lose my ministry to build strong families. The ministry that God entrusted to me. And that includes... In addition to that, how I provide for my family, but I could also lose, most importantly, my witness to the community. I could, I could potentially destroy hundreds of people's faith in God or the local church even. Because I decided that a momentary desire was more important than Jesus. My wife, my son, my ministry, you. And I... The thing is, is that I don't, the text doesn't say this, but I'm convinced that maybe what popped into Joseph's mind is not only what he could lose, but what other people in his life could or had lost when they fell into sexual sin. Because back in chapter uh, 34, there was an episode that happened in Joseph's life. He was just a little boy when this happened. And there was a man named Shechem. And he came along and he had a momentary act of lust. And this man lost everything his life his family's life everybody around him 
I believe that Joseph could have remembered Shechem. And I think sometimes in our lives, we need to stop and we need to remember the people in our lives that we've known. Because I guarantee all of us, somebody in our life, maybe it's us, but we all know somebody who knows what we can lose if we fall to sexual temptation. And I think the reason that we have to remember that is because our own, our own list of things can sometimes feel hypothetical. But when you know somebody who has actually lost huge portions of their life, loved ones, respect, their employment, it's real. And I think we need to remember that because I think that this is something else that Joseph obviously uh, remembered is that, I can't find it, but I think that one of the things is that a moment can destroy so much within our life. Just a momentary pleasure can destroy your destiny. Joseph, look what he did. One day, so, so basically she kind of keeps coming at him over and over and over. She keeps coming at him. And it, it actually says that he refused to go to bed with her um, and, or even be near her. So Joseph actually ran away as far as he could to separate himself from this temptation. And I think that's key. And then it goes on and it says one day when he went to the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants were inside. If he made a mistake at all, it was being alone with her. And because then the soundtrack changes again. And what happens next is she caught him by his cloak and she said, come to bed with me again. And watch what he does. It says, but he left his cloak in her hand, and he did what? He ran out of the house. And he was so quick that he left his cloak in her hand, and he ran. <clears throat> Look, we don't just need to realize what we could lose. You also have to run. And that's not a figurative run. That is a literal run. He ran. It wasn't just in his mind. He actually got on his feet and he ran out of the house physically. See, when it comes to physical or sexual temptation, your only options are to realize what you could lose and run. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, speaking, writing a letter to a church in Corinth, which is a place in the Roman Empire that was the most immoral Roman city, Roman cities of all of the Roman Empire because they had the temple of Aphrodite, the goddess of love. And so Paul writes this to them. He says, flee from sexual immorality. He doesn't go into a lot of, a lot of details. He just says, flee. And in the, in the Greek, it means run as fast as you can, actually disappear because that's what we've got to do with sexual temptation. We do not play with it. So you know what Joseph did? He lost his coat. In fact, that's, a little, that's the second time he's lost his coat. He's having a hard time with coats. <clears throat> but Joseph was willing to lose his coat to keep his character. And when we pick up the story next week, we'll find out that when he lost his coat, that wasn't a minor th thing. When he left his coat behind, it actually cost him a prison sentence for years and years to come. But here's my question for us. Are we willing to lose our coat to keep our character? Let me dig in just a little bit. It's gonna, I'm going to get a little bit personal, okay? 
For some of you, you know that person at work that's tempting. You don't want to ask for a transfer. You don't want to switch jobs. But here's the question. Are you willing to lose your coat to keep your character? Some of you might be happy hour you go to. You know it's tempting, but you don't want to give it up because, you know, it's friends or it's work and you're networking, and, but you have an addiction. Some of you, it's social media. Some of you, uh, it might be your phone or your tablet or your computer. And you don't want to put any software on your devices because that would be inconvenient. Are you willing to lose your coat to keep your character? Let me get to the point. Because here's the character, or here's the question. To keep your character, what do you know has to go? What do you know sitting there right now that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about? <laughs> this quote, Robert Oregon says, most people want to be delivered from temptation, but they would like it to keep in touch. I kind of, I want to get rid of it, but I kind of want to keep it around because I think I can deal with it. And so many of us, we play around with it because we think we're strong enough, but eventually, if you keep temptation around long enough, it will bite you. (laughs) There's an African safari guide that says, is it true that if you have a torch in your hand in the jungle at night, that, that it keeps away all the harmful animals? And the tour guide, he says, well, that all depends on how fast you can run with the torch. So many of us, we think we're strong because we're a Christian. We read the one-year Bible. We hold it up like it's going to keep all temptation away. Actually, it doesn't. You should read your Bible. You should come to church, and you should hear the teaching of it. You should read the one-year Bible. You should memorize it. You should speak it. You should be a part of a meetup that discusses it. But when it comes to temptation, what do you do? You remember or you realize what you can lose, and you run. Because if you hang around the barbershop shop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. If you keep it around long enough, you're going to eventually fall prey. And so Joseph knew what he needed to run from. But did you know that you and I, we actually have an advantage over Joseph? Because Joseph could run from, but he had nobody to run to. He was living in a foreign country. Not us. You're a part of this amazing community, this amazing church, and there are people around you all the time that you could run to. But the question is, who do you actually have to run to? This is one of the, this is one of the reasons why we, we have meetups or that you're serving on a team. Do you, are you serving around people long enough that you could get to know them and maybe take the mask off eventually and be able to share with them? So is that, another question is, who can you run to for, in your life for accountability? Because when it comes to temptation, we need people that we can be ourselves with. We need people that are not impressed with us. They love us, but not impressed with us. And I know that in moments like this, there's a certain tension because there are, there are people that are here that you've already fallen in, into sexual temptation. Maybe you've failed or maybe you're actually failing right now. And maybe you've lost a lot or you know you're going to lose a lot. It's only a matter of time. And there are moments like this that we feel super, very deep regret. But I want to remind you that with your relationship with Jesus, when you actually follow Jesus, there is always hope in restoration in the story between your dream and your destiny. But just because you 
have faced temptation in your past doesn't mean that it's not in your future. And with all of us in our story, in the space between our dreams and our destiny, look, you are going to face temptation. And so I just want to leave you with a very, very simple challenge. I've repeated it several times, but, I, but that is realize and run. When you find temptation in your life, when he or she comes along or when you're on social media or you're sitting in front of the computer, your tablet, or remember or realize and run. Run away to something else. Get rid of it. But just realize what you've got to lose and run. Because realize what is at stake for all of us is not only those that are around us, but also our destiny. So when temptation comes, and it will, realize what you have to lose and run. Realize and run. So this is my challenge for you today. And that is just like, like I showed you some pictures that represent what I have to, to lose. It helps me realize what I have to lose. And so today, I want to challenge you that when you this week, whether you could write it down or you could actually pull pictures together and put it in places where if, if your temptation is at work, you should have pictures or just written down everything that you have to lose. If your temptation is on a computer, if your temptation is social media and it's that high school sweetheart that suddenly messaged you. You need to put things into place in places that are going to help you realize. And then you've got to run. Ask for the, for the transfer. Do whatever you need to do. Break off that relationship. It could be, it, it could be something advances coming from some, somewhere that nobody knows about but you know about. And the, and the decisions you make to sever that situation will make, will make no sense to anybody but you. Is it worth your destiny? Is it worth your family? Is it worth your witness? Those are the questions that you have to ask yourself when you're deciding whether or not to run. That high school sweetheart is going to have no idea why you immediately blocked them and ghosted them. Good. It's okay. Because that person... Those people are not worth your destiny. They're not worth your family. They're not worth your testimony. They're not worth your witness. Make sure, and this is my heart's desire for you, is that this week you'll make a list so that you can realize. And, you'll, and then you will take the next steps if any is needed, and you will run. This is what, how Joseph overcame the most difficult test I believe the most difficult test in the story is in this moment. And this is how he did it, and this is how we can do it as well. Would you stand with me?